Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Another great podcast on the way here on Your Financial Mission. Walter Storholt here alongside Janine Theus of Theus Wealth Advisors. Janine's the CEO and founder. She's your financial commander here on the program, helping you learn the ins and outs when it comes to, oh, making sure that you're well prepared for your financial future and the ins and outs of retirement and financial planning. She serves you throughout Howard County, located in Columbia. You can find us online 24-7 at TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. Don't forget to check out on the uh, description of today's episode. You'll see a link that'll take you to where you can order your own retirement rescue toolkit. This is a free toolkit. It's a physical box packed with great goodies, audio CD, DVD, different reports on important topics related to financial and retirement planning. You can pick up your retirement rescue toolkit for free right now. Just go to the description of today's show and you'll see the link where you can order all that information. Janine, hope you're doing well this week. How are things going for you? Hey, Walter, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Oh, pretty well. I understand you've had uh, all sorts of fun activities going on around the house, contractors and painters oh, and yeah. things like that. That's always a fun uh, world to navigate, right? Well, you know, you know, it's time when you're looking at the wall and going, because I painted one of the rooms and I went, wow, it's sucking up the paint big time. Well, it, you know, you think about it and go, oh, it was 20 years ago I painted this. <laughs> <laughs> It's really time to bring in the pros. <laughs> so, That's pretty so, funny. I mean, it, I, I it really enjoy for painting, fresh paint. But, Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy painting. I'm pretty good at it, but you know, it's just a little getting. It's getting a little harder. <laughs> yeah, so. we've been doing a ton of painting ourselves, and I must have used the wrong. I, this room that we did, the dining room, we redid it. It was all sorts of weird shades of green, and even the trim was a weird shade of green. The room was literally three oh. shades of green. That's all it oh, was. Oh, man. It was really weird. Yeah. And, and really like off green, weird weird green. Um, like a dark green, a yellow green, and then a puke green is how I would describe them. <laughs> And, Boy, that's uh, a, let's see, that's from the 70s, right? Yeah, I think so. And there were, there were holes everywhere in the walls from previous shelving and, you know, all sorts of stuff. So there was a ton of wall repair that had to go on. And then, you know, it took multiple coats of primer and paint, to, you know, on the on the trim, especially because there was just so much to it was tough to cover all that up with, you know, then just your standard white, I guess. But, you know, finally got it to where it was looking pretty sharp. And then, you know, I, I taped the lines on the on the chair railing. And I must have done, I must have used the wrong tape and it didn't, it didn't stick well. And so then when I went and I painted, some of the tape had peeled up and I didn't realize that it had been, you know, peeling up. So then when I took all the tape off, all the lines were squiggly everywhere. Like every paint had seeped underneath of the, of the paint. And so now I had to just go and like freehand all the lines again. And then you keep, you keep trading white back into the blue and then blue back into the white. When you come back around, you're like, ah, (laughs) 
Uh, you know, the blue painter's tape that yeah. you can buy at Home Depot now, or even at Lowe's or wherever, they've really refined that tape. It's worth buying the tape. Yeah. I must have just used, <laughs> I know that they make different types for different surfaces. So I must have used mm -hmm. like, I don't know, floor tape on the trim and it didn't stick well or something. I don't know. Or maybe the humidity was off in the dining room or something, but it didn't stick well, whatever I was using. So. Oh knows? yeah. It's frustrating. I mean, I finally... maybe I grabbed the one roll that's been out in the garage for way too long and it lost its stickiness. Maybe that was the problem. <laughs> yep. Anyway, it was like, I mean, they've, they've really gotten to a lot more scientific. And then what I tell people is buy the right brush, spend the money, buy a really good brush that tapers and then buy the tape. Yes. Yes. Or <laughs> hire the professional. That's the other way to do it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. We've got a great show on the way for today. We're going to be talking a little bit later on in today's show about a question that we've received from Harriet. And I think a lot of people might find this interesting. It's about being left a rental property that you weren't expecting to be left. And so now what do you do? And so that's a great question to dive into. So we'll get to Harriet's question a little bit later on. We're going to have some fun getting to know Janine a little bit better as we uh, talk about the movies. So we'll dive into that too in just a little bit as well. But our main topic of the day is to talk about when to fish or cut bait. All right. When we're going to fish or cut bait. There's another saying that we could cover here, I guess, Janine, pooper, get off the pot. But we don't we don't have any FCC, you know, things to worry about here. So we can <laughs> exactly we'll still sort of G rate it or PG 13 it there. But, you know, how do people who are stuck on a financial decisions, how do we move off of these decisions? You know, because for some people, the biggest problem with their financial planning isn't that they make the wrong decisions. It's that they fail to make decisions at all. And sometimes you just got to fish or cut bait or any of the other sayings that, you know, we could certainly cover. You got to decide and move forward. So we're going to discuss some of the things that can cause the decision-making process to stall. And then Janine, hoping you can tell us why this happens and how people can get unstuck. And I think we're going to find that many of these you might identify with. I know that I certainly identify with a couple of these that we're going to cover. The first one, probably a pretty systematic issue in today's world too many decisions to make. It's like, you know, just one after another, Janine, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? It's like planning for a wedding, you know, getting retired these days is kind of the same thing. You've got to make a thousand decisions and that becomes overwhelming for folks. Yeah, I think this is, I mean, there are a lot of decisions to make. And I think one of the biggest or most important one is if you don't feel comfortable with what you're trying to do, you need to sit down with somebody who actually does this, who specializes in retirement income planning or retirement planning, because there are all these decisions, pensions, social security, what type of pension, should you take a survivor's option? What is the option? Uh, you know, how do you maximize that? And then how do you marry that to social security? When should you take it? Should you take the spousal benefit? When? Because they did change the rules in December 2015, which a lot of people still aren't aware of, but they remember something about that from years past. Can't I do that? No, you can't. And once you make those decisions and lock in that, you know, the paperwork, you can't undo it. So you want to make sure that you're going down the right path or the, at least the path you intended to go down. And I mean, there, there are a ton of decisions. You know, there are a lot of different philosophies of how you should develop or build your retirement income planning strategy. So, you know, are you doing a bond ladder? Are you doing, you know, this portfolio for income and growth and this portfolio for income? And, you know, where's the cash cushion? And where should it be? Should you have life insurance? Because a lot of people have bought into, I think, a very 
misleading philosophy, which was by term invest the difference. Well, a lot of people didn't invest the difference and a lot of people, you know, they get to 60 and become uninsurable. And now all the pressure goes on to their invested assets. So wouldn't it be nice to have life insurance backing up the invested assets or other planning? Because now I have folks coming to me that says, hey, I've heard of hybrid life insurance and long-term care policies. Ooh, how does that work? And if you had life insurance on the books that stays on the books into retirement, you have different options than somebody that doesn't have that. So, you know, part of this issue is, the decision-making, and I tell people, there are no real right or wrong decisions when it comes to money. There are better, more efficient, more economical decisions. I mean, the wrong decision is you basically blow it. <laughs> you, know, you, you get scammed. You gamble the money away. That's a bad decision. But all these other decisions, the biggest decision is, can I do this myself? If, and if I can't, am I going to work with somebody? And sometimes, uh, and in fact, I just told a young man this because he goes, oh, I want to make sure I make the right decision. I go, right now, you just need to make a decision because you're not going to know if it's right until you get down the road a little bit and you have to make an adjustment. Same thing happens in retirement planning to a degree. I kind of know where I want to go. I'm going to have to build this into my overall plan, but you have to realize that life happens. So you have to have some flexibility and you know control built into the plan because the laws change, the rules change, the regulations change, the opportunities change, and your life changes. It's hard to see it all. So it's hard to know where to start. It is. The starting point can certainly be difficult for folks. And kind of related to that, another you know way to describe this, we'll call this the five popular or common decisions that people get stuck on. So number one is you know too many decisions to make. Number two, Janine, would be you've almost done too much research. So you had too many decisions to make. Now folks will fall into the trap of, all right, well, let me become well-educated on all these different things. And you, you get overwhelmed. I felt like this recently. I was buying a, uh, you know, since we had spring roll around recently and we're at this, you know, new house that we moved to in the fall, haven't had to do a lot of lawn maintenance at this home. Well, now it came time for the first time to cut the grass here. And after the very first cutting, I was like, okay, gonna need a tractor. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna waste two and a half hours of my life pushing the mower around every week. And we have a very moist property, but yet still get a lot of sun. And so the grass grows like crazy here. It shot up so fast uh, as soon as it you know, got warm outside. And so I was like, all right, gonna need to buy a lawnmower. And then I stifled myself in way too much research to where I found fault with every possible lawn tractor out there, when in reality, even the most simple one out there would probably do the job for the you know relative size of the lot that we have. But I just became overwhelmed by having so many options and so many, so many things to research. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, when we moved into this property 33 years ago, hard to believe that, we were using the push mower and it's an acre. And it wasn't very long before we like were buying a damn Which tractor. doesn't sound incredibly large. You're like, okay, well, it's, a, it's an acre, you know. But wow, it that's, that's becomes a lot of grass very quickly. <laughs> oh, yeah. But on a, on a mower, it takes you 45 minutes to an hour to mow. Yeah. So, you know, on a lawn, I mean, a riding mower. So then you got to go and trim it. You know, how much time do you want to spend on this? And in the old days when we were young, it was easy. It was fun. Yeah, now not so much. Yeah. <laughs> Well, see, I used to view lawn mowing as I liked doing it, not to get too far off of our financial comparison here, but 
I used to love mowing the lawn because it was good exercise. I liked the exercise and right. it was one of my workouts for the week, you know, but now that I'm, you know, working out again and getting a lot of intentional exercise, I'm like, I don't need that for the lawnmower anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'd rather be sipping some sweet tea and, you... you know, putting my hat on and listening to some music and ride around, you know. <laughs> Well, and, you know, it is a great analogy because, you know, the lawn, you got a lot of blades of grass. Doing too much research is like counting the blades of grass. There you go. And I run into people who do that all the time. And they get caught up in the minutia instead of keeping their eye on the bigger picture is what am I trying to accomplish here? And if you want to sleep at night, at some point you have to say, you know, I understand the overall strategy of capturing returns in the market that are available to capture and not chase because the research all shows that regardless of where you go, the research actually shows if you start chasing, you will harm yourself in the investment world. So you do get paralyzed because there is a ton of information. I think if you Google the word investing, you're going to get, you know, 9 million options. Yeah, <laughs> It's a lot. <laughs> there's no way you're going to read it all and half of it's not going to pertain to you at all. Yeah. So how do you, you know, how do you narrow down your focus? What is the goal? Great. From, guidance. And that's, I, yeah. I go back to that. What is the goal? Yep, exactly. So. so too many decisions to make too much research to do. And then item number three that we often find people getting stuck on is just general confusion. I know that seems broad, but you know, some people just generally kind of just have confusion about particular subjects. And, you know, math is one of those things and retirement planning kind of falls into that category. Well, it does. And what people um, have a hard time with sometimes is understanding or realizing that math is not money. And money is not math. Yes, two plus two dollars equals four dollars. That kind of math is easy. But when you start talking about sequence of returns, risk, and distribution options, and you know taxes on the distributions, which changes, and then you're adding all these other things into your pension calculation. You know you're creating your own pension. That can get really confusing. And when they change the rules, it changes every year. So it's really easy to see why people are confused. I mean, even, you know, tax consultants, because of new laws, can get confused. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of smart people who are very good at what they do, and this is not what they do. So when you're putting into perspective investments, how do I create an income stream from my investments? There's a lot of confusion over that. Yeah, a whole lot. And that can certainly lead to issues if you're not careful. And that's why that's another one of those things that we've just got to be aware of. General confusion, again, can just cause people to get stuck, not want to make that decision. And when you stop progressing, when it comes to your finances and money and planning, you know, bad things start happening. Consequences start popping up. Another one to throw into the mix here, number four item on our list, Janine, would be people who don't like talking about money. It may not be that they're confused about it. They just don't like those kinds of subjects or just don't want to dive into it. That I would probably peg to some past money demon. Something in your past, something in how your parents handled money or talked about money or didn't talk about money and left you with the perception that it was a dirty topic. <laughs> um, <laughs> because you can't get around talking about money. I think what's been for many, many years, generations even, when you talk about money, there's some implication or inference that that's 
you know, how successful you are or how it's easy to, oh, I haven't done very well. So I'm embarrassed. So I don't want to talk about money. But what I try to impart upon people is money is just money. It's a tool. And you are where you are because of life's choices, what your income was, what your spending rate was, what your tax rate was. And if you want to be able to live successfully going forward, you have to talk about the money because the decisions around the money are just as important as the money itself. So if I can get folks to relax and say, this is not a judgment call on you as a person, it's just money. <laughs> you know, sometimes people can then relax and go, okay, you know, I, this is where I, this is where we are. Right. Okay. So how do we make this work? What do you want to do? And, you know, that kind of, it also feeds into, you know, the fifth point, which is traumatic life events. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, divorces, illness, death can absolutely devastate a person to the point where some folks go into deep depressions and it takes a couple of years for them to come out of that. A divorce, if you're blindsided by a divorce, it is an ugly situation. I mean, if it's an amicable divorce, that's one thing, but I, I usually, you know, say that a divorce is the quickest way to poverty because here you have these great plans and now you have to split everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and as I tell people, everything's negotiable, but at the, you know, you're going to buy somebody out of the house. You're going to split your IRA. You're going to split whatever invested assets you have. And now you're going two separate ways. And if there are kids involved, whole different ballgame, but it complicates the whole trauma. So you have the emotional aspect in both of these situations that you're trying to deal with. And then, oh, yeah, there's money. Right. So now, how, sometimes you know, how, during a traumatic life event, it's actually a good idea to indeed get stuck and not make decisions while you're emotional. But at some point that has to, to end in change, right? Right. And I, I mean, I think it's a good idea. You have to be very careful, women especially, because usually with a death, a premature death, you are very vulnerable at that point in time, and it's real easy to get preyed upon. So one of the, I think, smart pieces of advice that is out there is don't do anything. Don't buy anything new. Don't move. Don't you know, sell your house, don't do these things for at least a year after a death, because you need time to kind of recover emotionally before you make these kinds of decisions that are going to affect you going forward. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a tough one. You know, a long-term illness will do that as well, because you're really trying to help your spouse or yourself through this illness. And sometimes there's not a clear path forward, depending on the illness. But that illness can make you do a reevaluation of your future plan. So it's great if you have somebody, a trusted advisor you can meet with to kind of discuss some of these things at, at an objective level. And that's where I think sitting down with somebody to go through this is very important. Talk, you have to talk about this stuff. Otherwise, you get caught in your own loop, your own do loop. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you do indeed. Well, it's a great question. Certainly great things to consider if you find yourself getting stuck on any of these types of decisions or if any of these ailments particularly affect you. It can sometimes be helpful to seek some outside counsel to help you navigate these things, get off the pot and start making decisions so that you can move forward with different parts. Because if, if you don't make decisions, 
you know, that can be bad. That can be just as bad as making a bad decision. You know, inaction is a decision in and of itself. How does your planning process, Janine, help people get unstuck with these things and start moving forward? Well, it's really interesting uh, for me, the conversation, you know, I take the time to listen in conversations with clients or prospects because it's rare today to have somebody actually listen to what you're saying. And sometimes I'm listening for what they're not saying. And that's even rarer. So that before you can even begin a process, you have to really understand what the real issue is. And sometimes it takes a while for that to come out. So I think one thing that's different about me is I do take the time to really listen, ask questions, exchange information. And it's not because I'm collecting information and I'm going to put you in this portfolio. No, it's what are we trying to accomplish and what can we co-create? So the process is really geared towards what is the priority or what are the priorities for the client? And then we build around that. But the client is very involved, engaged in the process. I mean, I can push lots of information, but if you can't use it, it's useless. So I try to make sure that the information being shared is actually actionable and can be implemented. So I think that's a little bit different than, oh, I'm just going to sell your product right? because you need this. And I've seen that happen. <laughs> so. Yeah, pretty amazing uh, to consider. Sometimes the biggest and best benefit is to just get the conversation going. And it helps solve so many things by just having a conversation. And somebody there to spark that conversation is more helpful than you might think. So make sure that you're taking advantage of that opportunity. If you'd like to have some help getting unstuck with some of these hard-to-make financial decisions, reach out to Janine, and she can certainly talk to you about that. 443-718-6311. It's easy to get in touch and set up that time to meet for a review of your situation to talk about your plan, how you can make proper decisions going forward with your financial life. 443-718-6311 is the number. And you can get in touch online as always at theuswealthadvisors.com. That's theuswealthadvisors.com, your other place to go to check out all that great information. Well, there you have it. The uh, five major decisions that people often get stuck on, make sure that you're making the decision, that you're getting off the pot, time to fish or cut bait. Good discussion today. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know Janine a little bit better here on the Your Financial Mission podcast. And uh, my fun question for you this week, Janine, what movie can you watch multiple times but still enjoy it every time you see it? Well, there's just, there isn't just one. I, there are a few that I've watched multiple times. And what's common about all of that is they have very good storylines. And so after you know what the plot is and the storyline is and you know what the, the end of the movie is, you can actually sit back and watch the interactions, the, uh, yeah, their special effects, but you know, how did they do that? How did they shoot that angle? I mean, this is what I do. Probably a lot of people don't do this, but I had the opportunity to talk to a filmmaker and it was very interesting conversation because with film, when you're shooting film or editing film, you're actually creating the story. I mean, there's the dialogue and there's the action, but there's a story that's embedded in how they shoot the angles and the, the scene. And I don't know, it's just fascinating to watch some of these movies over, you know, occasionally because you just kind of go brain dead, but I'm watching 
in, in like who so who would have thought of that? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's pretty interesting. I mean, one of the more recent movies is you know the Crimes of Grindelwald. So it's the adult Harry Potter series, uh, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the first movie. Shoot, what is the first movies of that series? Like um, the uh, the name of it? Oh, Fantastic um, Beasts. Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts. Beasts. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean, I really like the soundtrack. So I bought the soundtrack. Just like one of my favorite soundtracks of all time is Pirates of the Caribbean because they did such a great job with casting and it's just a, a fun movie to watch. But again, how they shot the angles, how they, I mean, I'd love to see how they did it <laughs> kind right. of a movie. Yeah, one, one of those. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's just, it's fascinating to watch that stuff for me. Well, I think you just look at like any nature show and that's mm-hmm. that's a great example because that we've had nature shows for, you know, ever since TV came out. But then yeah. all of a sudden planet Earth comes along and it's like this totally revolutionary thing. And it's just like a nature show like any other in reality. But it was the first time that they'd been able to capture stuff in that amazing high def slow motion footage close ups. And, you know, now they're using drones to capture new angles and images that you've never seen before. And then the storytelling nature of it makes a lot of sense, too. I think that take the World Cup as a great example. If I just go and, you know, I'm not a huge soccer guy, but if I were to go mm-hmm. just kind of watch a regular soccer match, they call it match instead of game, right? It's a soccer match. Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, it doesn't really hold my attention, but when they have the World Cup, they've got a billion cameras, they're putting it in slow motion, there's less graphics on the screen, and it's more like they're filming art you know, happening across the screen and the sound and the vuvuzelas, uh, you know, come through. <laughs> and it becomes much more interesting in terms of like a piece of television to watch. So I know these aren't movies, but it seems like a just a, an illustration of how just how things are shot can totally change the experience and the takeaway in the story. Oh, yeah, I think that's And, you know, when you're watching some of this, whether it's nature or the game like this, and they do the slow motion, the athleticism required to get to that point is now very obvious. Most people can't do those kicks no, <laughs> or the way they do those things. Now that we can capture I, the muscle, you know, shuddering and twisting yeah. as it's getting ready to, you know, kick the ball or make the catch or the, the crazy bends that are happening and that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, the, in planet, in the planet series, that shot of the great white coming out of the water. Those are incredible, it, aren't they? Yeah. They're in amazing shots, and you really get a sense of the power and speed of that animal. So, I mean, those are all available now because of technology and photography and videography, and then the storyline of the editing. And I just find it fascinating, yeah. you know, how, how they end up telling the story. All right. Well, we didn't answer the question, though. What movie could you watch multiple times and still enjoy it every time? <laughs> Well, I've watched Fantastic Beasts a few times. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> you know, or The Guardians. The Guardians is just funny because the, the the banter. And I guess Pirates of the Caribbean, I've watched all five of them a few times. And one, I just love the music. I mean, who, who'd have thought, you know, French horns were going to be so wonderful <laughs> <laughs> in the soundtrack. Yep. So, you know, it's just, it's fun to watch. Yeah. And I just enjoy that. Well, I would say Airplane definitely fit this question for me for many, many years. Growing up, I would watch Airplane with my parents at least once a week. And we would because find it was so funny. We would find something new that we had missed, you know, in all the previous viewings 
every time we watched it. There was always some new joke or reference or nuance that you would find or understand or recognize or something that would be happening in the background that you didn't catch the previous time. I mean, so many times we watched that movie and it just never, ever got old. Today, I would say that if the original, you know, Harry Potter movies are on, even though and yeah. I totally missed the Harry Potter craze and I was like the perfect age for it. But I just I had no interest. I read a couple paragraphs, a couple pages of the first book and it didn't catch my attention. I totally missed all of it. It wasn't until much later I ended up watching all of the movies when I had a, my broken ankle. And while oh. I was recovering at home, I'd run out of movies to watch, it seems. So I was like, fine, I'll tackle the Harry Potter series. And then I was hooked after watching like all eight movies at once. <laughs> and now they're <laughs> well, so when, fun to watch. Anytime they're on, it just there's something about the way they, you know, they're just lighthearted and fun and interesting. And that you're always along for the ride. And I think that's one where they do a great job of just capturing the beauty of the settings and the castle and the storytelling's good. Um, so that one's fun. And- well, and you know what? That that whole series, if you when you read the books, because my kids were all at the age where they all read the books, all of them. And so I was, they were reading them, I was reading them. And there's a rich humor and language in the books. And they do a great job of capturing a lot of it on film and the yeah. humor, especially. And I think that exposure is really, really good for kids. But, you know, the whole story. Now, a lot of people got very upset with Harry Potter series. But the whole series is good versus evil. Right. And courage in children, which I thought was an interesting statement of the movies, is that children are very capable of demonstrating courage. Yeah. And friendship and all that stuff. So I thought they were wonderfully told. The story's wonderfully told. I thought they were good. I didn't see, I don't see a problem with them, but we can find problems with anything that that seems to be yeah. something that should just be far on the list down of what let's go find a problem with something <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> let's um, go fix a real problem <laughs> one financial one i would say is the big short i loved oh, the big short and the story they did a great job the storytelling yeah. was awesome i can watch that multiple times and it doesn't get old i find the way that they put the story together just really interesting, and it's very fun to watch each time, the way that they injected the humor, but also the way they kind of captured the drama of that period mm-hmm. of time that we all lived through. I think that was just really, really well-done movie. So if you haven't seen The Big Short, go see that one. And, oh, yeah. And, and it has I, I rewatchability, that, which is really odd. Yeah, yeah. They did a great job with explaining complex terms, you know, in layman's terms, or <laughs> terms of, you know, the average person could understand in just by sh- demonstrating. Yes. But yeah, yes. and interspersing that in with the entire storyline. My I, favorite was the Anthony with- Bourdain one when he was trying to explain what a, uh, I don't know if it was when he was explaining, what was it, the CDO or, you know. Oh, yeah, the CDO or the derivatives. Right. Or the and insurance policy, just, the, the insurance on the derivative. Right. Be, <laughs> so. Being a morally onerous chef, you know, I'm not going to throw away <laughs> the halibut. I'm just going to, you know, repackage it into a, uh, you know, special stew on Sunday afternoon. You see, it's not three-day-old halibut. Now it's a whole new thing. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's exactly right. His delivery was just uh, was was great on that. So it was fun, neat how they pull all those different, you know, famous people in to do those explanations of the terms and all that stuff. But yeah, it's, it's all in the packaging. <laughs> it's, all, it's all in the packaging. It's funny. Well, we, we love going on tangents on this show. That's for sure. That was a fun <laughs> rabbit hole to go down, though, every, every time. So well, very cool. That's getting to know Janine just a little bit better. Now, time to answer one of your questions. 
It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. To wrap up this week, we've got a great question from Harriet. And uh, Harriet says that uh, she had a, an aunt die recently and left her with a rental property that she wasn't expecting. Harriet says, I've never been that interested in owning real estate like this, but I don't want to just sell it because she clearly wanted me to have it. What do you think I should do? This is a, it's not a difficult question, but what's the real question? Because what you're saying, Harriet, is that she clearly wanted me to have it. So if you look at it that way, then she just wanted to give it to you for your opportunity, yeah. not meaning you should keep it necessarily. Right. Um, because if you sell the property, let's say it, if it's a, a decent property and it's bringing in a good income and there's no mortgage on it, well, that's income. Right. Well, that's let, an annuity. let's pretend like she doesn't say, let's maybe pretend that it is currently rented. Okay. So if it's rented and there's no mortgage on it, and now you have a step up in basis on the property, then you have a, basically an annuity that happens to be real estate. The question for you is, do you want to be a landowner and deal with all the things that landowners have to deal with? Like the call at midnight, you know, when the HVAC stops or the appliances are broken, now you got to replace a stove. So are you okay with becoming that landowner because you have to take care of your tenants or you have to address the issues your tenants bring forward? And if you're not that person, then you have two choices. You either hire somebody to do that. So you have a property manager who's going to take a piece of whatever the income stream is. You know, it's usually like 7% a month on the rent. Or you're going to sell the property and realize the gain. So that's really the basic answer to your question is how do you see yourself I guess, maximizing the opportunity that this presents. Your aunt wanted you to have it. Now you have it. But whether you should keep it or not is your choice. And she gave you that choice. Right. She I, didn't say. I think it's clear she it. gave you the choice. It's not. Right. She clearly wants you to hold on to it. Uh, clearly wants you to do this because she didn't leave instructions on what to do with it. So she wanted That's you right. to have it to then make you know, the choice of what you should do from there. So it doesn't sound like there were a bunch of strings attached to it. Right. And so and if she had wanted strings, she might have put them in the will. But even if she'd put them in the will, nobody can force you to keep the property. Right. I mean, if, if for some reason, you know, if this is a crummy type of property, <laughs> and you've got lots of issues with the property, I don't think you want the headaches. So you're going to have to assess whether this is in your best interest to keep, including your personality for being a landowner. How much of a headache do you want? So I think it would be advisable to sit with somebody who can help you ferret that out because there's a lot of, there are a lot of hidden things in real estate <laughs> that people get into that, that you, they don't see f at the beginning. Yeah. And they can bite you. So I think sitting down with somebody that can actually walk through what the property is, what's the benefit, pros and cons. What are the pros and cons? And then you can make an informed decision. Yep. Very good points, Janine. And great question. Thank you so much, Harriet, for submitting that one to us. If you'd like to submit a question or just reach out to Janine and have a conversation one-on-one -on -one about a financial question that's on your mind, 
feel free to do so. You can reach out on TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. We'll put a link in the description of today's show where you can access great information as well. 443-718-6311 is your number to call to get in touch. That's 443-718-6311. Janine, a lot of fun this week. Thanks so much for uh, filling us in on... uh, you know, some of the things on your mind as we tackle these different topics and making sure that we're making good financial decisions. And hey, let's launch another podcast where we'll just talk about movies and stuff like that. That was that was fun, too. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Thanks so much, Walter. It was great talking with you today. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking some time out to join us. For Janine, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Your Financial Mission. 